Hello and welcome to the Relationship Matters podcast. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters. Hello, I'm your host, Katie Churchman. And in this episode, I'm talking with CRR Global faculty member, Neil Edwards. Neil Edwards is a soulful leader and perceptive coach who works at the intersection of leadership, relationships, well-being, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Neil supports leaders and teams and focuses on self-identity, self-authority, values, and purpose. He begins with a relationship lens and draws from co-active leadership, emotional and social intelligence, adult development, leadership embodiment, and health and wellness to help his clients increase their capacity and capability to lead in any context or system. In this episode, Neil and I talk about allyship. An ally is any person that actively promotes and aspires to advance the culture of inclusion through intentional, positive and conscious efforts that benefit people as a whole. So without further ado, I give you Neil Edwards talking about allyship. Well, Neil, it's lovely to have you on the show. It's lovely to be here. I'm very excited today to talk to you about allyship, as this isn't a topic I know all that much about. So perhaps you can just dive in there and explain what that term means, allyship. Well, I I think allyship means different things to different people. And uh, it has come to mean some particular things for many today uh, in the world and in the U.S. based on some of the social unrest and systemic racism and other bias in the system. So for me, allyship begins with relationship and a relationship that is intentional uh, that individuals or groups come into by choice uh, with intention with specific design around what that relationship would look like, what those who are in that relationship choose to agree upon and how they behave with each other and out in the world. So that's what it means to me, which is not necessarily what I found to be true for the use of allyship today by many, where it's become a bit of a self-declaration and a set of self-determined actions in support of someone or some group that is marginalized or oppressed, but not necessarily in relationship with those who are allied. See. So so would you say that allyship is akin to right relationship? Absolutely. I think it's necessary. It it's it's not unlike a, a good marriage or a good friendship where everything is on the table. It is, it has a degree of intimacy and transparency and uh, connectedness uh, in the relationship. Much of the conversations that I see and hear around allyship today don't include the relationship element, which I believe is essential. So interesting. So they almost sound like surface level versions of allyship. You know, they're sort of saying the stuff, but they're not really 
being it underneath. How can we start to deepen these one-dimensional versions of allyship into something much more meaningful and purposeful? Yeah, I love how you framed it. We're not necessarily being it. I think a lot of allyship is focused on doing, you know, and leaves out that being element. And so the question is, how do you ally or aspiring ally want to be in relationship with the person or the people who you are trying to support? Um, And that's a being question. The relationship question is a being question, which I believe is fundamental. And it's from that where agreements can be made around the doing. It's a co-created relationship and therefore co-creation around agreements around what is done and what it looks like versus an individual or an individual entity making a declaration about what to do. So with these bigger systemic issues you mentioned at the beginning, how can we start to have those discussions around how we want to be together and really enter into right relationship with such Mm-hmm. large issues so with these large issues so if there's if we're talking about systemic issues one of the things that we perhaps we might think about or ought to think about is for those who are seeking to be good allies asking oneself the question why why do i want to be an ally what's in it for me what's in it for those with whom I'd like to be in allyship with? What's motivating me? What is my longing to be an ally? And to really listen inwardly to what those drivers are. Uh, they may, there may be many. Yeah. And, and that's, that's sort of a starting place that I think individuals or other entities, even organizations can begin to use as the foundation for entering a conversation with those whom they would like to be in allyship with, you know? So for example, I am here because X, I would like to invite you in, or I would like to be invited in to allyship with you. Can we have a conversation about that? That's so powerful because it immediately creates transparency. I was thinking, about the Black Lives Matter movement when you were saying about why am I here or why am I doing this? And I was aware during that that so many people put up the the black square on their, their social media feeds. And I'm sure a lot of people did it for the right reasons, but I'm sure some people did it just to look good. And I guess that's something with regards to when we were saying the doing, you know, who are we doing this for and actually who are we being? Yeah, and I think it's important to ask that question because for those who put up the square, pause for a moment and think about why are you doing this? What is it serving? Who is it serving? Before you actually get into that relationship. And the assumption is there is a relationship or an aspiring relationship to individuals or even an idea. And I think that begins to inform the being. This makes me think about why so many probably offers of allyship have failed probably in the past, because there's double intentions going on or double signals. You know, on the surface, there's this 
hand reaching out, but really underneath there's something else going on. And so we need to get clear for ourselves before we really reach out that hand about, you know, what we're really reaching our hand up for. Yes. Double signals, triple signals, quadruple signals. That's, that's why that question of why is, is so important. And in doing so and noticing what those signals are, those signs inside of us, even when we notice that they may not all be resonant signals, there may be motives that don't serve that relationship. Like, I'm doing this because I want to be seen a certain way in the world. I'm doing this because I feel a bit of shame. Um, all of those things may come up in the why or the motivation for choosing to move down an allyship path. And I think it's important uh, for people to be aware of those reasons and to be transparent, quite frankly, in the relationships. Because I think inside that alliance, inside that allyship, when that commitment is there and the ally notices those aspects of oneself that are not quite resonant, there can be a conversation about that. When this shows up, how do we need to be together? What do I do? What do I need from you? What do you need from me? Um, if you notice it, what are the ground rules around naming it so that we can clear it out? Because those things will show up. We're humans. We have so many aspects of ourselves and I think they're all to be honored and all to be recognized even when they don't serve. If we don't recognize or reflect on them up front, they can become damaging in that allyship. And I think it is the, the allyship itself, the relationship that has the power to help those in it to address those things when they come up. Right. So it sounds like you can't really lean into allyship without going deep within yourself. Would you say that's true to an extent? That's what I think. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what's right and what's wrong, um, but I believe that you have to go deep into yourself and then you have, you have to go deep into that relationship because these systemic issues that we're dealing with are so powerful. If we're going to move the needle on them, allyships become a crucial source, a yoke for human commitment to making systemic change. If, if we're not committed to those with whom we want to be allies, it's easy to give up. It's easy to get tired and walk away. In a true allyship where that commitment is real and it is formed, it, it becomes transformative, I believe, in that if we talk about Black Lives Matter, when we talk about a interracial relationship in this allyship and something happens out in, in the world, a black man, a woman, or a person of color is killed. It, in a true right relationship, as you framed it, uh, the ally should feel that loss in their body. That's what makes that black life matter, even if you didn't know that person. So there's a visceral impact when a black life is lost because you've gotten into relationship 
that has been transformative in your life. So we have to go deep in order for human change to happen. So empathy is, is, is key there, I'm guessing, but on a, a deeper level. Yeah, exactly. There is, you know, we, I, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, the, and you mentioned it as well, there's this immediate transparency that has to happen. There's an intimacy that produces the empathy. And, you know, people don't necessarily want to hear this, but I think the way I frame it anyway, and from a Black, Black Lives Matter perspective is a lot of people who wear white skin don't actually and truly care about Black bodies. The empathy isn't there because the relationships aren't there. So until that caring exists, with com- which comes through relationships, Black lives won't really matter. I think that's also true if we think about gender relations, right? If we take, if we take a, a binary perspective for a moment and we take male-female in a patriarchal system, for males really to appreciate some of the systemic challenges of women in society and in the workplace, you know, there needs to be relationships to develop a deep understanding and a sense, a sense of empathy to become an ally, a female agenda. So I think it's also true across race. So in terms of, say, someone who's never really thought about the other person's shoes, let alone stepped into them, what's a what's a first step they can take to towards allyship? Well, a choice, <laughs> which or clarity, I should say. With whom would I like to be an ally? Get clear about that. Right. So it's not just a general amorphous idea. With whom? It can be and that can be an individual. It can be a number of individuals. It could be a group. It could be um, the principles. Mm-hmm. But to really get clear about who, who is the target? Who do I want to date? <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to court someone and, you know, with the, with the notion of, you know, this desire to be in relationship, you have to know who that is, or who they are. So getting clear on why, getting clear on so it's not some nebulous thing. And, um, and there's a step in there of inviting oneself into a dialogue. And that's the courageous act. And I guess an even trickier question then is if someone or some group or perhaps even your partner becomes your enemy, what kind of steps do we take them to, to turn an enemy into an ally? Because that's surely the ultimate goal in those kind of relationships to to learn from them at least. An authentic and a transparent invitation. Yeah. This is who I am. This is what I'm about, what I believe. And I, that is true about me. And I would like in earnest to understand and find a path forward. So not denying one's identity, not denying one's point of view, uh, being truthful about it and making the request. 
you know, there, I don't remember the names of the individuals, but there is a true story about a, a black man, an African-American man who entered into a relationship with a, a white man who was a leader in the KKK. And they started having these conversations, which over time, I believe a number of years resulted in the, the white gentleman leaving the KKK. But they developed a friendship through dialogue, which took quite a long time and really grew into an intimate relationship and in the sense that they were committed to the relationship and understanding and they were not friends up front. They were, in fact, enemies for a large part of the relationship. But they committed to being in dialogue and being in right relationships so that they could explore and see what happens. And it resulted in transformation of many lives. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's the kind of magic, I think, that sometimes comes from this work. You'd never expect those two to see eye to eye and yet Mm -hmm. through allyship something almost impossible happened almost impossible but not so therefore it's not impossible i love what you said you know it's not you would never expect and you know you you asked about you know what's the the first step or the action or something like that it is you know there's the inviting oneself and being transparent up front mm-hmm. without expectation yeah. of getting a yes, you know, and, and, and not running for the hills. If you get a no, maybe pausing and revisiting at some later date. Um, if, if you're committed to entering into an allyship. So, you know, taking that step, going in with, an invitation without expectation of receiving a yes the first time, but just truly showing up. Such a good point, because the fact that I said almost impossible, that's an expectation already that might have limited an allyship in my life, perhaps. So it's interesting that, yeah, you said that because these kind of things probably do limit the extent to which we can step in open arms. Yes. Yes. And that is a, you know, self-limiting belief yeah saboteur um, and it, it, this is this is why i underpin this with really reflecting on why what is driving you motivating you to be an ally what are you longing for getting clear on that understanding with whom you want this allyship and not prematurely making declarations about what that allyship is, because that is something that is co-created inside the relationship. So in terms of some of the concepts perhaps bigger than people or groups of people, have you ever explored allyship with, say, nature or time? (laughs) Yes, in fact, I have. And, And more recently, it's been a pretty powerful experience for me um, in my relationship with life itself. And within the last year, I, I went through a process of, in nature, of reflecting on my relationship with life. And 
wrote what that relationship is, uh, basically defined that relationship. And think of it as, I don't know, purpose on steroids. Because it's not a one short, simple statement. And it's not something that I've published. But basically, you know, I, I went through this process with a group of peers and um, we shared them among ourselves. But the way I approached it was to think of life as a living, breathing thing that I could be in relationship with. And in fact, in marriage with, I, I thought of it as a marriage and what my commitment would be to my marriage with life and what life would expect of me and what I would expect of life and just made a commitment to that. And so, yes, that is a, a that is an allyship that, that I have, that I've committed to. That's amazing. How is that? impacted say your relationship around things like death and dying surely it's created a whole a wider sense around that i imagine yeah it, it you know in that process recognizing that i will die someday really informed who i needed to be and how i needed to act in my relationship with life so it really informed what i do with my time what I find myself meeting new people all the time and, you know, we make choices about who we're going to be in relationship with and what we expect out of, well, not all of us do that, but, you know, I have, I personally want meaningful connected relationships and in my commitment to life, that is necessary, not frivolous, <laughs> superficial relationships. And that doesn't mean that everyone becomes a best friend. But what it does mean is I love meaningful conversations. I don't want to pretend in relationships. I want authenticity in my relationships. And there are not necessarily rules around the cadence of interactions in my relationships with other people. But when we do have interactions, I, I, I want them to be meaningful. And that's a part of my commitment to life. When I interact with nature, I interact in a responsible way right, to, to nurture nature. So, yeah, it has shaped. And, I, and there's a, not urgency, but there is a strong awareness that my relationship with life will come to an end. And so I need to live in that relationship in a certain way. Otherwise I will have dishonored it. This is amazing. And I'm kind of envious of your relationship with life right now. So I'm interested to know the impact on you since stepping into allyship with life. For me, it, it <laughs> there is a, there is an accountability. It's difficult to, hide from myself and how I am in that relationship. Yeah. So I know when I am in right relationship with life and when I am not, because the process was so deep and powerful for me. The, the impact is, it's difficult to describe. What's coming to mind for me right now is when, when you have a child and you, you realize your responsibility 
to the relationship with your child and their life and their vulnerability, there's no denying that. And there's no walking away from that relationship. And, and if you're conscious, you're aware when you're not at your best, you're aware when you're making choices that don't serve that relationship in the best way possible. And so it's not easy because you're able to see where you're doing wonderful things. And you're also able to see clearly, you know, your imperfections, your flaws, because <laughs> nobody's perfect. And it's just, there's just a, a powerful honesty with oneself that requires you to give, give yourself grace but at the same time, embrace and love who you are no matter what. Yeah, it's a fine line. What a beautiful metaphor, comparing it to, to a child, like that accountability. I think for a lot of us, life just happens to us, doesn't it? And it, you know, we sort of stumble along. And the way you're presenting it from place of allyship is that actually you know you you can happen in this relationship too you're going to co-create this together yeah <laughs> it's amazing uh, that you say that yeah you actually realize that life is not happening to you you're in relationship with life so it's a two-way street it's a two-way street and you know i'm not a a scholar of the Tao to ching but you know Life has a way. I have a way and I get to choose who I be and how I be on my way. And so does life. And we come together. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. And that really brings us full circle back to the, the being we spoke about at the beginning, about how you don't do allyship, you you step into it and become it. Yeah, you become it with another. It's, it's, it's fascinating and it's, it's a bit circular because uh, being has a doing associated with it. There's a, there's a doing to being. <laughs> yeah, you can't just sit on your cushion and expect allyship to happen. Right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you just sit and, and do nothing, you're not being with life. Mm. It requires you to take, to make choices and take action. So there is a certain energy to being that is alive. And if, and if being is alive, being must have movement. Life always has movement. So would you say then that the being drives the doing in right relationship or allyship? I hadn't thought about that before. In this moment, I somatically, the answer is yes. I guess a lot yeah. of what we do normally is the is the first bit right it's the doing we we lead with yeah we lead with the doing and there's this no life in that yeah <laughs> so to speak there's like there's no meaning in it it's a transaction and it's almost like being when you're being and you're in this relationship with life like it's almost like everything you do is transformative mm. well this this Neil has been a very transformative conversation for myself and i'm sure our listeners but this was an absolute delight oh it's a delight to be here you ask uh, thought-provoking questions katie i appreciate it thank you neil thank you a huge thanks to neil edwards for that thought-provoking episode my key takeaways are as follows 
Allyship is a lifelong process of building relationships based on trust, consistency and accountability. Allyship isn't self-defined. Work and efforts must be recognised by those you're seeking to ally with. Allyship is an opportunity to grow and learn about ourselves whilst building confidence in others. Allyship is a continual investment of time in supporting others and holding ourselves accountable when mistakes are made. To be allies, words and actions must be in sync. To find out more about Neil's work, do check out crrglobal.com. And make sure you subscribe to the Relationship Matters podcast so that you never miss an episode. From the living room to the boardroom, we believe Relationship Matters. Matters.